Guys, as the ushers finish receiving the tithes and offerings, I want to invite a special guest up on the stage today. My name is Andy, and, and I'm the lead pastor here at High Point. You heard from my wife, Amy, as she was facilitating a magical selfie moment for us as a church. But there are about other people who've helped this church get to where it is today. And be that family, obviously my immediate family, but also uh, this gentleman right here, his name is David Houston. He's been my pastor, and he has also been my church planting coach. And so I laughingly joke that all the things that you don't like about me, you will really, you, it's his issue that you got to take it up with. He's the one you blame for that. But he's been a dear friend. He's been a dear pastor. And uh, he has helped shape me in more ways than he probably will ever know. And with that, I wanted him to give a greeting to our church this morning before we transition into the message this morning. Pastor David. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Andy. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here and celebrate with you uh, a new church, five-year celebration. This is really a big deal. As, as Pastor Andy said, my job uh, for the past, I don't know, 18 years has been to serve church planters. So I travel around the country and work with men like David Fisher right there, who's planting a new church in Birmingham, Alabama. Good to see you, David. Uh, High Point, Birmingham. But uh, this... Uh, Church planting is hard work. Uh, it, it's very hard work. Most church plants don't make it the first year in the United States. And planting in a large city is even more challenging. I planted one in Florida, which was hard, and then I went to Los Angeles and hit the wall. Uh, big cities are challenging, and so I honor you for five years. Jesus is doing amazing things here. I, I think of all the people that have worked in setup and takedown. The people that have gotten here early to help with that. The people that have stayed late. The people that help with refreshments and coffee. The people that are here in ushers and greeters. Uh, God, the Bible says God is faithful who will not forget your sacrifice. Every, God is so merciful and kind to us, isn't he? Every time you've sacrificed in the offerings. Every time you've gotten up early to help us set up and take down. Every, all the people in the worship team. Uh, all the sacrifice, all the hard work that goes into a church plant, uh, I honor you for it, and God remembers that. Uh, one other person that is many times the wife of the church planner is, is uh, overlooked. Amy, will you come up? <laughs> we want to make sure that we don't overlook this woman of God <clears throat> because... Uh, lots of hard work has gone into this. She's an amazing woman, amazing wife, amazing mom. And the times where she has gotten up during the night with her children, maybe gotten up in the night for her husband, uh, the times she has served him, the times she has been courageous. Because church planners, I know, we get discouraged. And that's when a wife's words are very, very important. The times that you have spoken faith into this man of God when he needed it. The times you have prayed for him when he was uh, in the midst of challenge and situations and adversity. The times that you have clung to God and that you have prayed and cried out to God again and again and again and again. We thank you for all of that because we are here. This church is here. We are strong salvations have happened baptisms have happened people serving people worshiping god and you're a big big huge part of that so thank you for that last of all of course i want to honor this man 
uh, because as the leader goes, so goes the church. You read the Bible, when God wants to do something, he raises up a leader to do it. And God has raised this man up for us. I've known this man for, gosh, like 85, 90 years, long, long time. We, this man was born to preach. He was born to lead. But on top of those things, he, he's a hard worker. The Bible says, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, give double honor. Everybody say double honor. Double honor, double honor to those that work hard at preaching and teaching. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for staying up late trying to work a message, trying to hear from God. Thank you for getting up early in the morning to read the Bible. Thank you for continuing to believe in us even when we were hard to believe in. Uh, thank you for being the leader uh, that God could entrust the people that are here, the people that have gone and moved to other places, the salvations, the baptisms, uh, the, the discipleship that has happened. Thank you for all your leadership. And uh, I needed to, can you go ahead and start opening that? I forgot to get, yes, yes, open it right now. <laughs> I should have started this earlier. This is, this is a small gift from our Every Nation office in Nashville. says every nation congrats pastor andy and amy king at high point church atlanta on your fifth anniversary love you guys thank you i would just like to thank my mom and my dad and god thank you thank you <sighs> well we can all go home guys it's been great it's been a good day Pastor David, thank you. Amy, thank you. I cannot believe that I did not get honored for getting up with our children in the middle of the night. I just, I can't believe that didn't happen. Maybe because I don't even hear a sound that happens. <laughs> I don't hear anything. Um, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's why. Okay, good times. Ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it it bears saying again, thank you for, for being here today. It's a, it's a great day to be here with you to worship, but not just because it's a five-year anniversary for our church, although it's a significant moment. It's great to simply be here and worship together because we serve a God that's good and he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our investment. He's worthy in creating environments where other people can come and know Jesus Christ and have their lives forever changed. It's worth it. And so it is, it is with great honor and it's with great joy that I, that I stand here and get to preach. It really, truly is my privilege to get to lead and preach and teach. And there are a lot of things worth knowing about a church. Yes, it's hard Yes, it's, you know, there are difficult moments, but, but understand the most significant things that happen with a church are not its hard moments. It's, it's, this, it's this intangible thing that we oftentimes overlook as we celebrate the church. But for the past five years, there have been a people gathering together in this community, and they've been worshiping God. 
For the past five years, there's been a people getting together for life groups and for coffees, and there have been a people getting together who were fasting and praying, and there were people getting together and sacrificing for something larger than themselves, and there have been a, a people getting together and, and giving to a school and praying for a school and, and giving of themselves for teachers and staff and faculty and trying to see the light of Jesus penetrate the darkness. And I have great news for you. Although sometimes you don't always see it, what we have been doing here and what you have been doing here is forever changing this city and forever changing this community, not because you're so great, but because Jesus is great. And when people come together in faith, trusting God for something great, Jesus meets them. Jesus changes everything. You like those new signs? If you haven't been here before, mm-hmm. A little, little nice new sign there. Nice. It is. It's nice. It's not nice. It's nice. Nice. Noise. <laughs> okay, that take that off of the podcast. That's just that's that's terrible. That's terrible. All right, we're gonna get into the scriptures. Turn to Psalm 77 this morning. The Bible reminds us to stop and to remember. I don't know about you, but it's not easy for me to do that. Uh, even even the, the most unsocial of us have a difficult time, in my opinion, stopping and truly remembering and celebrating and reflecting. You know, you, you finish one book in the series, and what do you want to do? You want to get right to the next one. Right? You, you finish the movie, you want to start the next one. You're watching Netflix, and it finishes, and the little timer starts counting down. You're not going to not watch it. You want to get right into the next episode. There's a, there's a no waiting aspect to our culture. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a meal, whether it's food, whether it's relationships. We don't like to pause to stop and to remember, but God... Throughout the scriptures, he commands his people to stop, to remember, to reflect. Why? Because if we will take the time to remember how God meets us here, maybe, just maybe, we'll remember that God can meet us here too. And that God can meet us over here as well. And that hard moment that you're going to walk into three months from now, when you remember that God met me here, it produces faith that God can meet me here also. So David writes in Psalm 77, verse 11, he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. So this morning, it's not a typical preach today. You'll have to come back next week for that. We're going to remember today. We're going to reflect today. And even if you have never been here before, I want to encourage you to draw a measure of faith that if God can do that here, can he do it in my situation too? If God is able to move in that person's life, you think he could move in my sister's life, my brother's life that way? 
I wonder if he could move in my mom or dad's life that way. I have great news for you, he can. He can. When Amy and I uh, moved to Orlando, Florida, we helped start a church. We'd been in campus ministry for a good long while with a ministry that we're a part of called Every Nation. We were there for about six years, and we just knew it was time to start another church. But this time we were going to go and we were going to be the lead pastors. And so we'd been driving from Orlando to Nashville with kids in the car to visit family for the holidays. If you've never driven that far with kids in the car, let me tell you something. It's nothing but the grace of God that we are here and have survived. <laughs> and everyone said, amen. Mm. You know that's true. And we would get through Atlanta, the bane of my existence on this drive. And we'd get through downtown and we'd stop off in this area called Kennesaw and we'd refuel. We'd go to Chick-fil-A. We would just, this is where we would stop. And when it came time to pray and to really seek where God would have us move, I didn't expect for this to be the place where God began to arrange the pieces, but it is. And guess how many people we knew here? Zero. But we prayed, and lo and behold, we, we had some acquaintances that we knew in the area, some people who worked at Kennesaw State, if you know Sterling and Missy Brown. We had some relationships that we were, were forming, but we didn't really have a team. We really didn't have resources. We really didn't have much. But we had faith. There was a dream. And so in Orlando, Florida, there was a guy that walked in. There was a family there, and many of them had become Christians or had experienced discipleship. And one of the cousins would come and visit for family engagements, and his name was Josh Anderson. Okay? And I found out that this guy lived in Marietta, Georgia. And when you're planting a church, guess what you need in order to call someone? Nothing. <laughs> you have a pulse? Let me call you and tell you about the church that God's put in my heart. I'd like to sit down and talk to you about this. And so I called, said Josh Anderson. And I said, hey, I'd like to meet you in Marietta or, or where you live and talk to you about this. And so driving up from Orlando, the very first coffee to talk and dream about our church is right here. We even have a picture to document it. There it is. Oh, yeah. We literally sat. Josh Anderson... <laughs> <laughs> I have some amazing glasses on. I do. We look like we're 15 years old. And we're sitting around talking about what could be. Does, what does God want to do? What's possible? And Josh was in. If you know Josh, you know when he says he's in, he's all the way in. Just assumed command of a unit in Augusta, Georgia. He's got an incredible gift of leadership. And we began and began driving up once a month. You can take that picture off. I, I, it's <laughs> as great as it is, it doesn't have to stay up. <laughs> so about once a month, every three weeks, we, we would drive up and have a little Bible study. We would talk church. And Amy and I felt God leading us to move here. And so about seven months-esque-ish, 
from that first coffee we moved and we began to tell everybody we could find that a new church was coming. Every human being that we ran into contact with, they got the memo. There's a new church. There's a new Andy in town. It's Andy <laughs> King. It's not, it's not the, okay. Yeah. You like that? That was a good religious joke. That was a good church joke. <laughs> yeah. So I got it in. I've been waiting for that one for the longest time. So we had our interest meeting, and we had it where? I mean, naturally in our living room. We don't have a building. We don't have anything yet. So we have an interest meeting in our house after all the people that we've told about our church, the church that we can't wait to start, that we've been dreaming about and preparing for, and this is who showed up to our very first interest meeting. Seven human beings. Seven people. That's right. That picture's blurry. Why? Because a child is taking it. There were so few people there. Greg and Mickey and Jasmine and Kellen Shervington, Stephen Rohr, who just moved to Nashville, I mean to Memphis, Tennessee, to help start another church. I realize if you're sitting here, you don't necessarily know the names of these people. I get that. I realize it can feel like an outsider coming to a party for a minute, but I want to welcome you and bring you inside here for just a second. I want you to catch what God was doing in this moment. Because it's really easy to despise the days of small beginnings. It's really easy to think that because something is starting small that it can't be God, or because it's difficult that God isn't in it. And that actually is not true. And so this little group of seven adults slowly but surely began to grow. And we have, we literally are having a, a Bible study in our living room. It's, I mean, we're just lining up chairs. We've got family members and grandparents and, and moms and dads that are coming because they're suspicious of what their kids are getting involved in and all the things. I get it. I get it. And then the very first person, his name is Trent Lindsay. I don't even have a photo of it. Begins to attend. He's not, he, is never, he doesn't know the gospel. And he hears about Jesus. And he's getting ready to be deployed to Afghanistan, if I believe right. And before he goes, he says, it's time for me to declare that Jesus is king of my life. And so we don't even know how to baptize people at this point. So I go to the tractor supply store and I buy a horse trough. It's December. Set it up in the backyard. First of all, I'll go to the tractor supply and you learn language in Georgia. I grew up in St. Louis. I'm a Midwesterner at heart. Or excuse me, by, I'm, I'm Midwestern in skin, but God is, by, by, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> by the grace of God, he's made me Southern. Okay, there we go tractor supply company and I'm like I don't know that that's gonna fit in my car and he says it's gonna <laughs> oh okay it's gonna like uh, this is faith talk I like it I like where we're going okay I'm with you and sure enough it fit in the back and I got that thing home and we filled it up and it must have been about 44 degrees below zero 
you know the you know the little misty like it's not fully snowing but like that cold misty you know it, it, it's it's it just feels like christmas outside you know with like winter evergreens are growing up you know around us that's how cold it was and trent being in the military he couldn't back down from this moment you know and so the first person puts her faith in jesus his name is trent Lindsay. lives in augusta georgia now and he was the first one and what slowly began to happen was a church was forming show that next picture because what turned was started with one person all of a sudden families are showing up and people are showing up and what you may not see in this photo is person that's on our staff right now, Catherine Nicholson, is getting ready to be baptized, and a Taylor Sutherland is getting ready to be baptized, and a Megan Bergwald is getting ready to be baptized. Her husband wasn't ready, Seth. But I will never forget the conversation, the phone call. He may not even remember it this way, but just more or less saying, I had a dream, and in that dream, I felt like I needed to be baptized, so it's time for me to be baptized. <laughs> Literally, one after the other, friend after friend, and family member after family member in a church was beginning to be born. Don't ever despise the dates of small beginnings. What starts with one, who knows what God wants to do? Who knows what God wants to do through your life? Colossians 1, 3 through 8. Bear with me as I, as I read this. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. He hadn't even had a chance to go and visit this church yet. But we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. I haven't seen you yet, but I've heard about what God's doing in your midst, and I want you to know we're thankful for it, and we're praying for you. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. One of my favorite yet kind of random passages in the Scripture is Colossians chapter 1, right here. The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. That that does something inside of me when I hear it. This message of Jesus, I haven't even been able to come to you and, 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 and tell you this in person, but I've heard about what God's doing in your midst. The gospel, something happened when that seed was planted, and you didn't hear it from me, but you heard it from that other guy. His name was Epaphras. Amazing guy, isn't it? But he's just, he's just a guy, and he's sharing his faith, and he was sent as a servant of Jesus Christ. We don't know much about him, but he's preaching and teaching, or maybe he's just, maybe he's just rocking a really great small group. 
But nevertheless, he's just being faithful to share the gospel. And if you will just be faithful to bring God what you have, God will take care of the rest. And this gospel is constantly growing and bearing fruit. It's doing what only it can do. I can't grow a church. You can't grow a church. But you know what I can do? I can tell people about Jesus. And I can tell people what Jesus has done in my life. And I can tell them that Jesus changes everything. And then let Jesus do what only he can do. And that's change everything. The gospel is constantly growing. It's constantly bearing fruit. Whether you live here in Kennesaw, Marietta, Woodstock, whether you drove in from Nashville or Augusta, guess what? Don't ever forget that whether you see it or not, God is on the move. He's moving. He's growing. So what did we do? We moved out of our house. And we moved into the ugliest building in the history of the universe, my neighborhood clubhouse. We jokingly refer to it as our days of prison ministry. You can go ahead and put it up. There no, there's just, there literally was like Florida. I mean, you guys, I don't even know how to describe this. It hurts my heart to see it, but Jesus is victorious. And you know what? And he moves and he works. <laughs> And we have this little TV set up and a stool in a room with chipped paint. And we, we use that room because we were a church of about 20 people. We don't have a whole lot of money, and it was 25 bucks a week, baby. Jesus is alive. He's alive. And so we began to preach and teach and share, and it, it just began to grow until the day we finally arrived, August 11th, 2014. Forgot the date. And we had our very first service right here. Five years ago to the day. And what started with one person, a simple coffee, has turned into a room that looks just like this. How does something like that happen? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is in the business of changing lives. He changes lives. And it's, my, it's the most thrilling thing to be able to say to you that marriages have been restored. That forgiveness has been extended to, to those who've been bound up in knots. That those who've not heard the gospel at all have heard the gospel and they heard about who Jesus is. And they put their faith in him. And that, Jesus, while their life may still look like a mess at times, it doesn't change the fact that on the inside, Jesus has laid hold of them, and he's changed them from the inside out. And so here at our church, five years later, just to recap, over 60 people have been baptized here. I love that. Yes. Those are either recommitments to Jesus or people who'd never heard the gospel a day in their life. Over 60 people. Five mission trips to different countries, 
Cuba now multiple times, Australia, Mexico. We were a part of a historic moment in the nation of Cuba and in getting to literally lay the groundwork for a church. And it was the first time since the rise of communism that a church had been granted this kind of access to do what we were able to do. It was historic. It was incredible. And our church, our young church, was able to be part of it. What can God not do? What can God not change? So boys and girls and young professionals, moms, dads, college students, people in being sent to Memphis, Edinburgh, Scotland, Mexico, Romania, all over the world, its gospel is growing and it's bearing fruit. And it's our great privilege to be a part of it. distracting me. <laughs> Thank you. See this bright blue behind me? Behind, I mean, it looked very nice, but. Preparing for a message like this is an interesting one because in one breath you feel like you're presenting something and you're celebrating things and then you're also looking forward. And in just a moment, we're going to, to celebrate communion together because at the end of the day, more than statistics and more than information and, and even more than testimonies, this is about Jesus Christ. This is about the Son of the living God. He is the one that we praise. He is the one that we worship and He is the reason we get out of bed and we set up pipe and drape or we invest money in our community because we want to see people come to the saving grace of this man who is both fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ. That's what we are about. But looking forward, I want to give you some practical things, some tangible moments in a 10-mile radius around our school. As we look at what's next, you should know that there are over 526,000 people that live in a 10-mile radius around the school. Half a million people. People joke about Atlanta traffic. They don't even know. They don't even know. It's like a principality of darkness, <laughs> traffic. 500, over 500,000 people. Just about any 10-mile circle that you draw on a map in Atlanta or in the area around it, you're going to have roughly that amount of people. And you should know that these people need the gospel just as much as you do and I do, and we do. When I see a number of that, that size and that magnitude, rather than being intimidated by it, I say, God, what can you not do? Who are you, who are you incapable of reaching? And while I have no aspirations of trying to reach all half a million people, I do feel like if God, God the, the, the God of heaven and earth, has called us to reach some, and I want to be faithful to preach the gospel and to reach those who do not know 
Jesus. And make no mistake about it, we may live in the South, but people don't know him. And you and I together can do something about it. I want to reach the next generation. Kennesaw State University in 2015 had an enrollment of approximately 35,000 students. Fastest growing school in Georgia. And we have a campus chapter that meets on that campus that's meeting in, in people's homes, etc. We've got a growing campus ministry. And I've got news for you. There are college students who need to hear the gospel. And so when we talk about what is it that we're going to do and who are we, we're going to reach the campus. We're a church that's going to reach those who don't know Jesus. We're going to be a church and continue to be a church that engages young families and equips parents to parent their children to love Jesus and know him. Because Jesus changes everything. And last but not least, excuse me, there are 18 middle schools and high schools in about a four-mile radius around our school. 18. And I don't know how we're going to reach those schools. But I'm going to tell you something. I want to do something about it. I want to see this room filled with teenagers who love Jesus. I want to see this room filled with the next generation worshiping thanking God and winning their friends and praying for their school and start invite the studies because it doesn't matter if you're 5 or 55 or 95 the Jesus that we serve and know he does not discriminate based upon your age he will use you regardless of where you are regardless of where you come from regardless of what you've done if you will just bring to him your meager beginnings, the small moments, and say, what would you like to do? God will take care of the rest. just a moment we're going to prepare for communion we're going to worship together and I want to end literally with sharing a little bit of my story with you because regardless of whether again you've been here five minutes five weeks or five years sometimes if you have a little church in you, or maybe you grew up with a little bit of faith or a little bit of this, it's strange to hear someone on a microphone at times be this excited or this passionate. And I grew up in St. Louis with a, in a Christian home with amazing parents, and at 13 put my faith officially in Christ and began to live for him. But this interesting thing happened that even though I had made a, my one-time commitment, I was surprised to find that God wasn't done with me.
and I went to college and I, and I was living my, my best life now in Nashville, Tennessee. I was living the boy band life, trying to get that record deal. That's exactly right. If you've never heard the story, you're not going to hear it from me, but you can hear it from Amy. And I was invited to a Bible study literally for students and college students and someone a year older than me is literally preaching in his living room and I hadn't heard the gospel preached like this, this passionately and this compelling and there was something in my heart and life where I realized I want that. There was something more than, than my one-time moment with God. He wanted to continue changing me because Jesus doesn't just change you one time. He changes everything. He's not finished with you, and he wasn't finished with me. And I remember sitting in this home thinking to myself, I there is something lighting up inside of me right now. I don't know what it is, but I know I'm about to graduate with a degree in finance and economics, but all I want to do is tell people about Jesus. And some of you are sitting here today, and your, your moment is similar to mine in that you understand what it's like to grow up in church or around faith. But to hear someone preach passionately or vibrantly or to sweat on the stage or to talk about church plants and missions, this is kind of foreign to you. And I want to encourage you and invite you and maybe also challenge you a little bit that when Jesus gets a hold of everything, he gets a hold of everything. And he changes you from the inside out. And if there's anything we should be passionate about, is it not Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior? Is there not anything that we should be excited about more than worshiping Jesus and seeing his kingdom established and his mission go forth? Is there anything we should have more passion and vibrancy about? I don't think so. And so even as we prepare for communion, we're having a moment of gratitude and thanksgiving. And I want to invite you today, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, or you know you need this moment to come alive on the inside, let this be not just a five-year anniversary for our church, but an anniversary in your heart where you celebrate Jesus Christ for who he is and what he's done in your life. Jesus has changed countless lives here. He's going to continue changing lives here. And he just might want to change lives right now. In your seat is a communion cup. And in the same way that we started off remembering, and David reminds us in Psalm 77, he reminds us to worship Jesus, or excuse me, to remember God's faithfulness. We're circling all the way back. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he breaks the bread and he 
passes the cup and he says, take this in remembrance of me. Meaning all the things that we do in Christianity, the worship moments, the music moments, the offering moments, it's all for Jesus. It's Jesus who has the ability to change everything. It's Jesus who brings life to those who are dead. And this morning, we're celebrating him and we remember my friend Jody Messina is behind me, and she's going to lead us in a song of thanksgiving and in reflection. And whether you've been here five years, I want you to be thankful to God and put your faith in Him afresh and let Him change you. Whether you've been here five minutes today, I want you to reflect and remember Jesus in your life and put your faith in him and let him change you. Whether you've been coming here five weeks, I want you to take that communion and remember who Jesus is and commit your life to him and let him continue to change you. Because Jesus changes everything. And this morning, we do this in remembrance of him. We celebrate five years in remembrance of him. Amen. You can take the cup, you can take the bread, and you can take the juice. And as we're led in worship in this moment, I want to encourage you to worship. Stand in your seat. Lift your hands. Put your faith in the one who can change everything.